0: del Pilar and this
1: is Big John
0: and we are here with points on the board. look people we had a great show schedule but we shelved it when we had the opportunity to bring our main man back and that is Dennis Velasco NBA analyst he's been kind enough to be with us for the, the ending of the regular season breaking down the playoffs and usually we have him to start a series but this is a final one and I got to be honest. I have found this series extremely exciting. Right. Uh, uh, what's the term you always use? OP? This is an OP series, I guess. I don't know if I'm even using using the word right, but it's an exciting series. Dennis is going to break it down. And for those of you who do not do not know who Dennis is. Dennis Velasco is a former editor-in-chief of Nerd Fantasy Sports. He's contributed fantasy basketball content to Sports Illustrated and The Score and regular NBA content to Yahoo, Slam, SB Nation's Nets Daily, ESPN's Old True Hoop Network, and many other hoop destinations on the internet. He's the founder of Hardwood and Hollywood, which was a Fox Sports partner. And he's currently a complex BuzzFeed publishing partner. Everybody, let's welcome Dennis. And Dennis, thank you for coming back. How are you?
2: Of course. I'm I'm doing well. How are you guys doing?
0: I'm hanging in there. Hey, look, we we got a great show. You're going to break down the finals, we're going to talk Warriors. Celtics, and I want to get a little bit into the MVP because that's a big deal going into this series, as well as the ratings, which are a surprise hit to conservatives, but not to conservatives and libertarians like John and I, who actually know the sport and the issues. So, Big John, I'm going to hand it off to you, and let's get going. Let's talk some Warriors basketball here and what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I've been enjoying this series. Uh, Dennis and I will end up texting throughout uh, the games uh, the past couple of nights. This has been great. Uh, I have been impressed by two things. One is uh, that the Warriors, especially in games, uh, in game five, Dennis, seems like they're starting to think they can win without Steph Curry having to carry them on their back. That's the first thing I've been impressed by. And then the second thing, their defense and their rebounding has gotten better as the series has gone on. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I like what I'm seeing from them. They're switching. They're still moving. They settle for too many threes, if you ask me. But, Dennis, what do you, what do you think?
2: Uh, well, I don't know if it's really settling for too many threes because, you know, they're a good three-point shooting team. I think, if anything, in game five, Steph Curry was – forcing shots because oh. he was taking three pointers from almost half court like like one step beyond half court and yes he's great and he can make those but they just didn't seem in rhythm
0: you did know you I mean? see the
1: same thing i did dennis when he passed up on a 2-1 break he didn't drive the hole when he got the dish and he just backed up behind the three then he double clutched then he let it fly yeah you know I, what? I, I almost kicked the hole in my tv the dv well, yeah
2: well yeah because you know good fundamental <laughs> basketball but this is Steph curry and you can't really argue against <laughs> Steph curry you can't really critique him if he wants to take that shot because he's earned it oh you know really
1: I mean? you're coaching your your uh, kids oh. to to pull up at the three like that on the break on the fast break well are
2: they shooting like steph curry are they making like Steph Curry? If I'm over eight at that like point,
1: if I'm over eight beyond the arc at that point.
2: No. I'm driving I, the I if you're Steph Curry, you have a green light automatically. Yeah. If you go 0 for 16, that one that you hit can be the, the game changer.
1: I know, but yeah. if you're up, if you're up and you're trying to you're trying to keep the Celtics from going on another run, right? Because in game five, that third quarter, oh my goodness, what were they? 14 to 15? They they yeah. erased the sixteen uh what was it a twelve point deficit uh heading into the third, coming out of halftime. Oh my goodness, De- uh Dennis. I thought the Celtics were unconscious from three. Yeah, no, and
2: that was after going over
1: yeah. in Yeah,
2: first You're half. Right. But, I mean, here's the thing, they were just making their shots. Sometimes there's just nothing you can do when that happens. I, what they had like nine They I don't even know how many in a row. It was <laughs> it, a no, they had, um,
1: yeah, they had something like uh nine or 10 in a row and uh they missed one got the rebound and then hit the three so i don't even count that as a as a dry streak because it was basically they didn't even get back to the they didn't back up on defense they just got the rebound kicked it out boom hit the three swish so it was it, it was impressive uh even smart yeah. was hitting them robert williams hit one um and, and and um but anyway so with the with the warriors though um did you get the feeling, though? Let me ask you this question. Draymond Green, are they better with him on the court or off the court? Are they a better team think, with him on the court? I think I he's think, been struggling, man. I think he's generally like the speaking.
0: Broadway right now.
2: What was that? To Go ahead. Generally speaking, I think they're better with Draymond Green on the court. Just because, all right, so he's not scoring, but that's not really why you want him on there anyway. You know, he's still making good passes. Now, obviously, his defense, when he doesn't try to double out of the post and, you know, get out of position, his defense is very solid. You know, and he's just like one of those guys. He's like a glue guy where just because I know he's behind me or in front of me or next to me, I'm going to probably play a little bit better. But, you know, you have game situations where, you know, before game five, yeah, you're probably better off without him. But at the end of the day, you, you want him on there. And, you know, just getting back to what you had mentioned earlier with the rebounding and the defense, I think the biggest uh, game changer was when Andrew Wiggins said, I'm going to focus on rebounding. There you go. Because once he started doing that, it's, it's been
1: different. Well, well him, him and Looney, right? Both of them yeah. have hit the boards well, hard. Well, no, Looney, you expect that from him. Right, mean, right. But Looney I mean, he's still tall. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Another now, level. now, William, I know you dug up some numbers for us on um, some of the secondary players, right? Like Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins coming on lately. What are, what are some of those numbers you, you have for us?
0: Uh, hey, I I just got a, a question says comment for yeah. Dennis Dennis so real quick on and, uh, Andre is uh, I kind of viewed him as his role is more of a Dennis Rodman role the last couple games uh, especially with Wiggins playing so good on both sides and the fact that he scored uh, eight points the other night I thought that was like a bonus because he was playing so well defensively they didn't need him on offense so I I, I kind of Uh, 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 I mean, that's kind of how I viewed him is, is this his road right now is the Dennis Rodman road, go up there, play strong defense and help uh, uh, keep his team uh, afloat meaning, uh, as you said, with him on the court, they know uh, he's there and they know what he brings to the table and he's not like a lesser piece. Uh, Am I looking at it wrong? Is he expecting to do is he supposed to do more offensively.
2: Uh, Only in terms of passing, you know. He's been a defensive player of the year, but the thing that really stands out about Draymond, if you look at his numbers, yeah, maybe he scores or averages nine points, nine rebounds, but he also averages like six assists. You know what I mean? So right. that's the difference, Mickey. because when you're getting those assist numbers from, you know, generally speaking, a big, like Draymond Green, that's just a big bonus. You know, he's able to actually grab the rebound and dribble down the floor and, you know, facilitate the offense. So, you know, that's why you have Viamma Green there. That's why he's a special talent. And, you know, don't be surprised if he makes the Hall of Fame, you know, especially with all the chips that he has. And his numbers, you would never think he'd make the Hall of Fame, but he's a champion. But but Oh, Dennis- well, yeah,
0: right. It's like Dennis Rodman. People hate him, but the guy was a champion. And, and he he was always brought in for a specific role and always excelled at that. Uh, except wearing the wedding dress,
1: but that's another story. Okay. But but I'm sorry, I was going to ask Dennis something. Do you think the Warriors, to some extent, this series was salvaged when Kerr kind of grabbed his cojones there for a while and sat Draymond, right, and brought in Gary Payton? He brought in uh, Poole for a little bit, but basically was bringing in Payton for Draymond in game four. And yes, that was the Seth Curry show, no doubt, in terms of of, of the 40-plus points, right? But do do you think the series may – like if if the Warriors end up winning the series, do you think the series turned on that decision? Because it took a lot to sit Draymond in the second half of that game.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a turning point. And Steve Kerr is like one of the best coaches of all time for a reason. And, you know, just like you let Steph Curry – shoot threes whenever he wants, you let Kerr coach, you know, if that's his decision to sit Draymond and Draymond, he said he was pissed, but he understood it. And he's not complaining about it, which he didn't, you know, and then he came back on, you know, game five, you know, he started his offense early. I think he scored almost all his points just in the first quarter, Um, you know, so, you know, Kerr, he's a great coach. Uh, Gary Payton, you needed him for what? Exactly what Draymond brings, defense. Right. But Payton can also you know, take it to, to the hole right. and, and score some points. You know? So that's the difference. I'm really surprised that they haven't played Jonathan Kaminga as much because a lot of like basketball nerds, you know, like me and analytics guys and whatnot, where's Kaminga? You know what I mean? Because right. he's younger, he can play defense. But just offensively, he's not there yet. But if you, you know, if you have a fast break opportunity, he's definitely going to finish. But right. you know, it's a little surprising. But again, Kirk can do whatever he wants because he's earned that right.
1: You're not second guessing him.
2: No,
0: no. So, Dennis, uh, Clay Thompson. Uh, I, I learned he's also known as Game Six Thompson. So high expectations, I imagine, for uh, coming up. He's averaged 21.3 points and uh, has a 41.2% three-point range over the last three games. To me, that those are phenomenal numbers. To, to me, a layman, I'm not sure what they mean to you in this style of play, and I like to hear that. But I guess my question is, how can he keep this up? And how important has, has, has his play been in Golden State taking not just a 3-2 lead, but they've been commanding the last two games over the Celtics. How much of that can be attributed to Thompson? And do you see him living up to his game six reputation?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, Clay Thompson is just going to be Clay Thompson. You know, you only mention him in any sort of like bad way is if he has a bad game. Right. Um, Actually, you don't really mention Clay Thompson, even if he has a good game because you expect it out of Clay Thompson Yeah, it's Steph Curry's team, but Klay Thompson, you look at the numbers, he's been consistent. Like, there's no, you know, like, where's Klay Thompson, right? He's just there. He's just getting his 20. He's hitting, like, you know, six three-pointers. I mean, he's scoring, I don't even, I think he scored something like 40-something points, and he dribbled once. (laughs) Just, like, catch and shoot. Yeah, Klay Thompson is, is the real deal. And what people don't really realize, he's also been an odd defensive player. You know, he's he's one of the best players, uh, defensive players out there. Like on the perimeter, he's great. Uh, you know, you watch him guard anybody. He he challenges every shot. You know, um, but he just does what he does. As far as like Game Six, do I expect anything like spectacular? Uh, I mean, I expect twenty-seven points, but he go off at any point as well because he's done that before.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, he. Uh, I don't look at somebody who's just a defensive guy who can shoot forty-one percent from the three, uh, and average twenty-plus points a game. That's. I mean, every once in a while, those defensive guys will have that solid offensive output, then they disappear. But uh, not Mister Thompson. What about Andrew Wiggins? Before and throughout our all our discussions. in in in, in a golden state series i think we brought his name up once yet he's been the man this series uh he has he's shown the ability to play both ends of the floor obviously uh for the layman being able to play offense and defense and he's averaging 18.4 points against the Celtics including 29 rebounds he's had uh talk to us a little bit about Wiggins and 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 who he is and how he is he is what we're seeing really the real deal from him in terms of who he is? Isn't he a high draft pick too? Wasn't he like a number? Uh, Wasn't he a very he high was draft number pick? Number one pick, yeah,
2: number one yeah. pick. Yeah, coming out of uh, Canada, they were saying that he was going to be the next LeBron James, which you know they used to do that with a lot of players saying, oh, they're the next Michael Jordan, right? Right. Um, none of those players that have been called that have ever lived up. To- to being the next whatever and it'll never happen you know there's only one michael jordan there's only one lebron james but andrew wiggins like his whole nba career because he's had that you know those expectations you never quite feel like oh my god yeah he's a good player because he's not doing you know 28 10 and 10 you know like lebron would but he's he's a steady player and i think He's never really had an opportunity to find a rhythm with any team. Um, and he's never really played for any good team with a good coach. You know, so coming to the Warriors has been a blessing for that guy. I and mean, he was an all-star this year. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, it, is it a surprise? Maybe. But, you know, with the Warriors, there's been a precedent with the player seemingly coming out of nowhere because several years ago, Andre Godala won the finals MVP, not Steph Curry, who was ridiculous during that regular season, you know? Um, I think, you know, Andrew Wiggins, you know, he's had that slow burn into
0: playing as well as he has been, you know, of late. That's a good term, slow burn. It's uh, uh, And you're right, he's an overall uh, uh, number one pick, high expectations. Uh, but I don't think anybody saw what he's doing this series – uh, uh, coming from him. I mean uh, I hadn't seen much mention of it and from the analysts or the experts, so I was a little surprised. Uh, but that said, you know right team right fit. you know so Curry had his big 40 what was a 43 point performance in game four, but he was shut down in game five. Now there's no doubt the Celtics said we're gonna shut Curry down and you the rest of you guys have to beat us and that's kind of what happened. But that said, is Curry at an age where after a big 43-point performance, maybe his age and knees are creeping up on him, and that kind of held him in check a little bit in Game 5? I'm just curious as to your take in terms of not necessarily this series per se with Curry, but where he's at in his career based off that game there.
2: Well, you know, I started cracking up when I was watching the game because the Celtics were face-guarding him. So basically when a team face-guards one player – it's just hilarious because it's sort of like, man, you were getting, you are so scared of this guy scoring. You know what I mean? Because when you face guard someone, you don't even know what's going on behind you. You don't know where the ball is. You don't know where the pick's coming. You don't know anything. You just don't want this guy to catch the ball. And yes, that makes a lot of sense with Steph Curry. Uh, but I just thought it was funny because I was like almost grade school sort of thing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, but as far as like where he is, I mean, the Boston Celtics, they're like the best defense in the NBA. Like, you can't say, you know, Carrie, oh, he stinks. He's playing the best defense, and they're face guarding him. They're double teaming him, triple teaming him. And you got to give him credit, you know, other than, you know, when he got itchy in the second quarter and he's taking those crazy three pointers, which he normally hits, and he rimmed them. It's not like he totally missed. Um, you know, he's playing within the game. You know, he wasn't trying to force anything. He really. said, so, oh, they're triple-teaming me. I better pass the ball. You know what I mean? So he wasn't really forcing uh, another, you know, 40-plus point performance. He was just doing whatever it took to win. And, you know, you yeah, give him a lot of credit because he's, like, one of the most humble players out there. If it was, like, Michael – well, Michael Jordan's on another level. But let's say it was Michael Jordan. There's no way he's doing it. Michael Jordan's like to rack the whole time. He's taking up Kobe. He's a, that's a that's a good example. Kobe's just gonna shoot, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's only passing if he has to, you know. Whereas Steph is like, you know what the smart play is to pass. I'm passing, you know what I mean? Right. So right. right. Know, think- that speaks if that speaks to his determination or not it doesn't matter. He's winning basketball because they won the game and he's a champion. So,
1: but it wasn't yeah. just the defense, right? I mean, to me, in game five, as 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 amazing as curry was in game four it seemed to me in game five there was something off about him i don't know if it was like the leg injury like draining him a little more though from game three now i was amazed that he got what he got accomplished in game four given that he was coming off that injury yeah but, you know sometimes those injuries like the next the next game the adrenaline is going and you hit your first couple of shots and next thing you know All of a sudden that leg ain't throbbing that much. Right. But now you got an extra day or two to think about it. It's getting a little worse. You're a little bit older to, to William's point. Well, now maybe it's set in a little more because I didn't think he was moving as crisp as you know, and when, when he's, when he, when he spotted up for his threes, I don't know. He seemed like he was double clutching. Sometimes it looked like he wasn't as smooth going up into his release. I don't know, Dennis, I, it seemed to me like, it, yes, I agree with you. The Celtics said anyone can beat us except for Steph Curry in game five, right? So that was that was obvious. But to me, I don't know. You tell me, man, you're the coach. You tell me, did it seem to you that he was off physically a little bit from his normal game? Um.
2: Yeah, no, it, it was. But, you know, you also got to remember, like, you put a lot of pressure on him. You know, you, you're counting on him, like, so much and, you right. know... Yeah, he's a pro. Yes, he's a champion. Yes, he's one of the best players at his position ever. But, you know, again, like you said, to William's point, maybe he's getting a little older. You know, you don't recover from injuries as quickly. Um, but he's also, like, one of the most conditioned players, you know, in the league. So I guess I overthought it or didn't even think about it, rather because he is one of the better conditioned players in the league. But yeah, like maybe, you know, the injury it did affect him last night, you yeah. know? Yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I'm on the opposite end of uh, big John. Cause I've seen it in the NFL. Somebody's injury won't be as serious and they'll mess with that injury report. And uh, it's kind of like Michael Jordan in the flu, that flu is going to put you down. And then he comes out and plays and he shows no effects of anything, you know? And I'm like, Sometimes they get played up, and that. But I, I'm not sure about last night. But I agree with you, Dennis. I I think what makes uh, Curry so different from from, from uh, LeBron and and Kobe is he is a selfless player, the most humble player, and and I think that that's a reason why they have so many championships. And they're such a, a they're such a well coached team. Like I said, I'm not a Kerr fan, but the guy's an incredible coach. Not only are they well coached. But they completely understand their roles, they understand how they fit their chemistry with one another. And what I'm seeing is because I haven't watched every game from the entire to end but when I watch it, I see a consummate Golden State Warriors team in every facet, and the teams they play, it's like somebody has to step up or somebody has to be on top of their game or this or that. It's as long as the Pistons uh, are moving for, for, for the Warriors, it doesn't matter if one Pistons a little off because there's the four others that are going to carry it where the Celtics don't have that. And, and that's kind of what I see w- with Curry. Uh, but that said, I'm going to push back a little bit. Michael Jordan was a team player. He was a selfish player at times, but we saw him in key games give the ball up because I think that was a product of... of, of the the Bulls being in the same spot where the Warriors were at. And Jordan knew that to his players inside and out, who he could trust, who he could irk, the crank up, that you know, things like that. Now Kobe was just a shooter. And LeBron, well, LeBron's LeBron.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, look, yeah. one of the most famous players that Michael Jordan gave up the ball to was Dennis. Kerr. Steve Kerr. Yeah. Steve Kerr. Take that final this, shot,
0: right? To do what? To piss off Scottie (laughs)
2: Pippen. But here's the thing. This was Michael Jordan's formula. You know, especially when he became a superstar. In the beginning of the game, I'm going to pass the ball. But after that, second half, I'm shooting everything. (laughs) You know what I mean? And as far as Kobe goes, uh, what was it? Oh, yeah. So Shaq had this great story. I don't know if I've told this to you guys before about how you know, in practice, you know, Kobe, he was just, like, shooting everything. And they were complaining to Shaq. And Shaq was like, all right, you know what? Let, let me go talk to Kobe. So he talked to Kobe. He said, Kobe, you know, you, you're taking all these shots. Like, you, you know, you're being you know, selfish. You need to pass the ball. You know, there, there's no uh, INT. Yeah.
1: And then he goes, I, I, yeah. I've heard this,
2: yeah. Yeah. But there's an M-E in that <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you know, what's also funny was, did you ever see that basketball movie, which is a stupid movie, but I still enjoy watching it, Uncle Drew? I I love that movie. I like Kyrie Irving. It's hilarious. It's like these 70-year-old guys, supposedly, who get back to the Rucker in New York for the tournament and they end up winning. Spoiler alert, right? But they're all in their 70s. But the guys in their 70s are actually Shaq, um, Kyrie Irving. um, Reggie, Robinson, Miller, Reggie Miller, A. Robinson, uh, Reggie Miller, and uh, Chris Webber, right? And they're playing old men, right? Hold on, you okay. said Kyrie Irving. And Lisa, and Lisa I, Leslie too. And Lisa Leslie, yeah, no, no, it, yeah, uh, but they had him in makeup, so Kyrie, yeah. Kyrie Irving is Uncle Drew, and he looks—he's supposed okay, to be yeah. seventy in this, right? But anyway. Dennis, did you notice that in one of those scenes at the Rucker where they're playing, you know, uh, the street ball, at one point Kyrie Irving's character Uncle Drew is shooting all the time and he's nailing threes and all that. And Shaq is just looking at him going, come on, Kobe, pass the ball. Come on, Kobe. (laughs) Kobe." Like, So you can even see it in the movie, right? Like, Like he still says, come on, Kobe, come on, Kobe um yeah. i i thought that was a nice inside joke the way they worked it into the script and i got a good yeah, chuckle yeah. out of that when i said but you're right that's one of my favorite stupid movies it's like it's <laughs> like uh soul plane it is so stupid <laughs> is so funny. Funny. <laughs> you know you, <laughs> <It> you're <laughs> right john
0: there's movies like adam sandler i mean he's got a great hoops movie out right now so a little plug for that but his first five, six movies—they oh, yeah, they yeah. were like stupid movies. But you just laugh. You the Water laugh Boy.
1: The Water Boy. What's yeah, better than the yeah. Water Boy?
0: <laughs> so there is something said for having that kind of talent. When you look at the movie, you—you're you, not ashamed to tell people you watch it, but it's not something you're going to shout to the world. <laughs> and but you end up having a good time. You yeah, know? exactly. So so uh, uh, getting back to this series, though, Dennis. Moving on to the Celtics, we we covered the, the Warriors and some of the aspects of them. To me, the Celtics look like, I don't want to say a beaten team. They don't look like a beaten team, but they look outmatched and outplayed right now and and outcoached. It just looks like the Warriors are on another level, talent-wise and chemistry-wise and coaching. I mean, they just check off every box. However, the Celtics did come back from a 3-2 deficit against Milwaukee. They trailed the Heat 2-1 before staging their comeback. Should we count them out? Because I'm seeing a lot of articles, hearing a lot of experts, a lot of analysts who are expecting. And I got to say, I, I kind of, I don't fall into the camp, but I can't argue it that I believe this series is going to be over in six games, including Big John, I think, right? Oh, I had them no. in six games yeah. before Should, the series started. Yeah. yeah. Should we be writing the Celtics off yet, or, or, or are they effectively done?
2: No, you can't write them off. I mean, they have a great coach. I know, he's, I know he's a rookie coach, but you know he's from the Greg Popovich, San Antonio Spurs tree. You know you may uh, Doka, he's a great coach. Uh, the problem, and I've said this before, the problem is their superstars are inconsistent. Jason Tatum has been inconsistent. Uh, Jalen Brown has been inconsistent. You know, if they ever uh, got it together, you know, together like at the same time, they'd be. Really unbeatable because of their role players, you know, Al Horford, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart. Um, but I think Andrew Wiggins is holding Tatum to like 37 shooting, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, so, and causing
1: turnovers. Tatum's yeah. a turnover machine this series. I mean, just yeah. didn't he set the record for turnovers in, in a five game series so far? First he, five games, he's set the record. 36.7 uh, percent.
0: Dennis, good, good call there in terms of uh, his shooting percent. And, and John, yeah. he's averaging 3.6 turnovers per game it's right crazy. now, which kind of yeah. uh, uh, brings me up to him because uh, what do the Celtics need to do to stop Wiggins in order to get Jason Tatum back on track? Because Wiggins is 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 pretty much locking them down, and you just alluded to that. So, what do the Celtics need to do? to get Tatum back on track. Cause if they get Tatum back on track, I'm assuming they have a legit shot to win that game to win to win game six.
2: Yeah, I mean they need to have him shoot easy shots. You look at a lot of his shots, like everything's contested. Everything's like really difficult. Like he has to, you know, dribble and get separation from the defender almost every single time. Maybe some, you know, run some pick and roll. Look, he made do a dope up. he's an NBA coach. I'm just a, a dumb like, you know youth coach so you know who am i to say but you know maybe set some screens like even double screens you know let jason tatum like either take it to the hole or take it you know more open shots you know that's that's a big problem you know but even still jason tatum he's been missing you know easy layups also you know what i mean so it, it's just it's just tough but again inconsistent but what's he's what 23 years old now he's gonna like fall into it i saw someone say Jason Tatum's in his prime. Why isn't he stepping up? He's not in his prime. His prime is like five years away, which is scary. You know what I mean? Um, This is just growing pains for for Jason Tatum. Uh, I think, you know, and I do believe he will be like one of the, you know, best players. I'm talking like, you know, easily, you know, top 10, probably top seven in the league, you know, within a year or two. You know what I mean?
1: I also also think that a lot of us are sleeping on Brown as part of that equation. I mean, I know Tatum's the star on that team, no doubt, but it's one, a one B with him and Brown, man. I'm, I'm surprised that we don't a hear more about Brown and ask and expecting him to step up a little bit and B maybe try running some plays for Brown more often to get them to think about Brown. So then Tatum gets freed up, right? Because I think when they hit that, like, listen, the one thing that I think is scary about these Celtics, it seems sometimes that they go on these runs of shooting threes. I've seen it now three times in this series where they've wiped, where they've wiped out (laughs) double digit leads in one quarter, just by every time they go down the court, it's not even a thought. They pull up to the arc, boom, whoever's open. I've seen smart hit threes. I've seen Tatum, obviously. Brown has hit threes. Uh, Robert Williams has hit threes. Um, even some kid what was his name uh, I don't know some white guy came on for a couple of minutes and oh, he Pritchard. hit a couple of th- Pritchard yeah Pritchard yeah, and he, he hit, hit a couple of th- th- times th- th- yeah but I think mean, mean, that's a fan in the halftime show you're talking about <laughs> it might have been might have been one of the guys coming down on the garden but listen my point is they're scary because if they hit that run twice a game so far they've been hitting it once a game but if they hit that run twice a game, they get very scary because then you then you're left trading threes with them, you know, and, right, and that right, might be a right. bad proposition uh, for the Warriors in the sense that, you know, can can, can they also then you're, the pressure's back on the Warriors now, you know what I mean? So I don't know, Dennis. Do you think they should they should work beyond the arc, or do you think part of their game has to be, especially since they're grinders, is? drive to the hole, punish them on off. You're punishing the Warriors on defense, right? You're a young team. You're punishing them on defense. Should you be punishing them on offense? Most people don't think of it that way, but you can punish a team on offense, right? Go to the hoop hard, make them take charges. uh, You know, like make them defend, make them run with you. Get some personal fouls on those guys. Get Curry in foul trouble, right? Get him to get in foul trouble. Like, so do you like the plan or do you think that, I think you said you're not an NBA coach, neither am I. But should they, should they be playing a more physical brand of offense or should they be relying on that, those hot streaks of threes, baby? We're going to sit at the arc and just launch. You know? like, I don't know which way to go with that.
2: Yeah, they got to play smart. You know, if you look at, you know. The, um, the smart as intelligent,
1: you, not the player. Right, right, right exactly. <laughs>
2: um, but like, if you watch the games, uh, the Warriors are smaller than the Celtics. You you see a lot of times Jason Tatum, you know, being defended by Steph Curry. Also, yep. you see Robert Williams, a big, being guarded by Payton. You know, he's like a foot tall. You know what I mean? They need to take advantage of that. You know, um, even and it doesn't even have to be a post up play. It could just be like a split action pick and roll. Just have the guy roll down because the guy that's going to help is going to be smaller than that guy. You know, they need to take advantage of the height, and they're not doing that enough. You know, just watch the game. You'll see, like, almost every single time down, if it's not a fast break, the big is going to be tiring over whoever is defending him. You know, the only player um, who can match, like, height and length is uh, Kevon Looney, you know. And, you know, he was in foul trouble yesterday. And I thought the words, oh, it's over. There's just no way, you know, that the Warriors are going to be able to stop the Celtics base, but obviously they did. Yeah. Um, so they need to play smart. You know, if the three's open, take the three. You know, I, I'm not saying don't take the three because obviously, you know, they're a good shooting team, but don't settle for the three. You know what I mean? Right. If you're you know, like, to pass it down, go for it.
0: You know, going back to what you said in terms of J, uh, Tatum missing uh layups and John saying getting Brown more involved, to add to the caveat, you're like, don't settle for the three, but it seems like they've been settling for the three because the Warriors' defense has been so solid. You mentioned that he's missing layups and his off play, he's only 23. Just on the surface of things, that tells me that the Warriors aren't literally affecting him physically, but they may have gotten into his head. And, and and if that's true, then game six is over at JSW. But that said, uh, how would you get a player like Jason Tatum his mental game back because again the key is when you start missing those easy shots it's a it's a red flag he, he's off in the head right now. They've rattled him. They got to him. Uh, let's just for, 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 for sake right now, assume that's happened. What needs to happen to Jason Tatum? What does a head coach need to do or head coach? What does a coach need to do as players? What needs to happen to get him back on track offensively? Uh, because they cannot, they've shown they cannot, they're great at those three point streaks, but it hasn't paid off the last two games. It's just, they've been overpowered.
2: Yeah, no, Jason Tatum, is doing what every young player in basketball does now. And, you know, as far as changing that mentality, you're not going to be able to do that, you know, in the next game for Jason Tatum. But the thing that every young player, and I see it every single time, when they take it to the hole and they miss a layup,
0: I got a foul. It was my foul. <laughs> Look,
2: no, seriously. Every young watch, guy. Every, you're right, right. You're right. Yeah. Watch. Watch Jason Tatum. If you can roll back the tape, if you have access to, like, if you dvr any of the games, watch Jason Tatum. When he misses the layup, and I'm not saying they're easy layups. Y'all can test it. But when he misses the layup, he always looks at the ref. And he's stuck in that position like this, and he's not <laughs> getting back on defense. Right, right. And that's getting to him mentally you know, that's where uh, it, it's a mindset thing in that, like, I got fouled. Like, that's why, like, when I coach all the young guys, I always tell them, listen, it doesn't matter if you get fouled, play through the contact, just play. Cause there's not one instance where I saw a ref go, <laughs> right. Hmm, you know what? You were <laughs> fouled. Let me <laughs> change my call. That never happens. Right.
1: Just play through contact. Don't expect anything. If you get fouled, and, and they don't call it play defense. And, and you know what, Dennis? That's a great point because I saw the same sort of inexperience or, 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 or like young guy sort of mentality out of Marcus Smart, too, right? Like he got caught up in that, like where they hit him with the technical. Uh, then then he ended up um uh, fouling um was it Peyton? No, it was uh, a Pool. John he pool. ended up or yeah, slapping him in the face. And yeah, there was yeah, a but flop. he did it. I pool,
2: I yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> he, he, he flopped. I got you, he flopped. Yeah. So um but uh, yeah, so like, but I think that's where a veteran team gets an a, 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 like a young and mm-hmm. experienced team. Uh, to, to get out of their game, right? They're looking for the call, right? They, they're not going to get it, but they're looking for the call. And, and, and they, they, a guy flops and gets a foul, now you're yelling at the ref and you get teed up, right. right? So so I think those are old veteran tricks, right? Like when I played, I couldn't keep up with anybody on the court, right? So w- w- my thing was in the paint, I'd step on people's big toes, you know, I'd tug <laughs> on their shorts a little bit because it would drive yeah. them nuts, right? I mean, that's th- yeah. those are veteran tricks, right? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. let's be honest, refs give vets calls, they don't give them to rookies for the most part, right? So if yeah. there's any doubt in a ref's mind, he's gonna give the veteran the, call, the benefit of the, the call. Unless, unless it's Tim Donnelly, well, um,
0: yes. Yeah. <laughs> for those who don't know, Jim uh the ref that was uh, booted for uh, uh, what was he, gambling or uh, playing the gambling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he will not give the man the call. He will give the call that results in his best bookie. You yeah. Know? Well, the final question regarding the, the Celtics. And they gave up 18 turnovers in game five. Their offense obviously looks like a mismatch against the, the Warriors' defense. Uh, just one to the three points that are the biggest points that, that you haven't seen them doing that they must get back to or start doing if they haven't to overcome that that, that, that that Warrior's defense and to pull out a win tomorrow night?
2: Yeah, well, I think they mentioned it on the broadcast yesterday where the magic number for the Celtics is 16. If they get 16 or more turnovers, they, they lose. Right. If they get less than that, they win. So protecting go. the ball obviously is a big deal. And the reason why is because how many times you want to give Steph Curry like an extra possession? You know exactly. what I mean? You don't want to that, that do was that.
0: 18. 18 extra possessions yeah. that got there. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure how many points. It, I should have looked it up. Sorry, fellas. I should have looked up how many points those 18 turnovers uh, uh, became. Uh, but 18, I just heard 18. I was like, oh, my God. Even as a non-basketball aficionado, I was, I was stunned at that. Uh, uh, so moving on, though, uh, uh, Big John uh speaking of 18 turnovers that's the over 16 being the over under there talk to us a little bit about some prop
1: bets a little gambling tips oh yeah people who don't want to lose money oh yeah listen uh if you've been following us on twitter uh at uh, sports grumbling with no s at the end uh uh on twitter uh uh i'll let you guys guess what's my safest nba bet of the year so far <clears throat> I know, I know. Oh, no. yeah, I know. Yes. So
0: even...
1: Dennis.
2: Uh, Golden State Warriors always win the third quarter.
1: There you go. <laughs> you always take Golden State in the third quarter. Ironically enough, the only uh, I had a streak of like 10 in a row on that. Game five was the first game in a long time where the Warriors lost the third quarter. So uh, I, I've made a ton on taking Golden State uh, to win the third quarter um i've won a couple uh, especially this final series with taking the celtics in the first half they tend to come out hotter and 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 clamp down uh on on the warriors and also the celtics in the fourth again except for game five which was a role reversal they tend to win the fourth quarter um now i the last uh episode we had dennis on i pre- i said i'm putting uh, a futures bet on Golden State to win in six. That was the prediction. Dennis shared the prediction. I actually went and put some money on that. Uh, that went out at 60 to one, uh, at six to one plus 600. So I, I'm still in play for that. But now that the game has gone, uh, now that the series has gone five, right? Now what I'm doing is I'm putting my hedge bets in, right? And this is what smart gamblers do. You don't stick with just one. So for example, after Golden State won game five. I went out and grabbed and put some money on the Celtics to win uh, at plus 350, right? So now I'm covered uh, because I had uh, the, the Warriors in six. That gave me plus 600. I got money on Golden State to win the series in any number of games after they lost uh, game one. So basically I got even money, I got great odds because they lost the first game of the series. So I got Golden State. So if Golden State wins in six or seven, I'm golden. But if Boston pulls it out in seven games, which is the only way they can win now, I have my hedge bet because I got that in at plus 350. So when you stack these bets, uh, your, your total wins comes down, but uh, you can't lose. So right now I'm in the good position of I can't lose on the series. I, I'm in the position where I'm going to win some money. Uh, I'll win the most money if if the Warriors go win in six. But no matter how the series turns out, I'm I'm out ahead. The other two uh, bets I got. The first one I think I told you last show uh, I put some money on uh, Clay Thompson to win uh, MVP because I got plus nine hundred on that. So that's nine to one for people who aren't familiar with the odds. But texting dennis last night in the middle of the game he said you know john man if you could get good odds on uh, andrew wiggins go put some money on andrew wiggins man i got a feeling this guy's gonna hit a hot streak and all that so you know what he was right as soon as the game ended i went out i put uh, a small amount of money on andrew wiggins because i got plus 1600 on him. so uh, uh wiggins to win the mvp is paying off 16 to one so even if you put 10 bucks on it, you get back to 160 right? Wow. Well, so, that kind of
0: leads me, John, though, to yeah. the final question on MVP, because that's who I had uh, in, in the back of my head. Uh, I don't have much invested in this. I'm a casual yeah. viewer. Uh, but that's what I was noticing. I was like, okay, we're not just talking a game or two. We're talking a, the entire series. Andrew Wiggins has been playing pretty well. So my question was, who is in the lead for this right now? Uh, or does it matter if G and GSW wins? Is Curry going to get it? Well, it was my question. But after hearing the conversation today, uh, looking at the Wiggins numbers, my assumption was still was still they're going to give it to Curry. But based on Wiggins' play, Dennis, do you think he has a legitimate shot to win this? I guess what I'm asking is, if let's say they close it out in Game Six and he has another game uh, like he has, has had in the series, maybe not superstar numbers, but another outing and, and, and it impacts the game. Is this now Wiggins' MVP to lose, or does Curry still have to track by being the sports writer's favorite?
2: No, so this is what I told John. If the series goes seven games, Andrew Wiggins can win finals MVP. Uh, At this point, I still think it's Curry's, you know, uh, MVP to lose. And if the Warriors, you know, win tomorrow – not tomorrow, but on Friday – And Curry doesn't have a horrendous game. I mean, as long as he scores, like, even just 18 points, right, he'll win the the finals MVP. Um, But if he goes seven, because here's the thing, with Wiggins, what's going to be consistent with him is his defense on Tatum and his rebounding. And both of those things have been, you know, spectacular and very significant, you know, for the Warriors. So – If he does it again in game six, you know, forget about the points. He doesn't need to score 23, 26, whatever points, right? If he can um, have Jason Tatum not shoot well and still get all those rebounds, you know, and the Warriors don't lose by much, then it's like, okay, you know, it's kind of like even now almost with Curry and and Wiggins, right? Because Wiggins is showing out overall better than Curry. And then in game seven, if Wiggins – if he scores twenty points, and if he has a double double,
1: right, I, I think Wiggins will win it. Just like See, that was Andre going to be my question. It. That was going to be my question, Dennis. Whether yeah. it goes, if if uh, now let's assume the Warriors end up winning. Right, that's the big caveat here. If the Warriors yeah. <laughs> win, I don't care if it's six or seven. Wiggins gets his double double the rest of the way. I think he's got MVP unless Steph goes for 40 plus or 35 plus right in each game. I think if Wiggins does 16 and 10, 18 and 10 in whatever's left in the series.
2: Yeah.
1: I think the, the inclination because of the defense and because it means he shut Tatum down. If golden state wins, it means Tatum's been shut down. They can't win unless Tatum goes off. Right. So I think you put the two together and a double double the rest of the way, a good double double, like like I said, 1610, 10 Um, I you talked me into Wiggins being MVP, I'll be honest with you. Um, otherwise, look, Vegas thinks it's gonna be Curry. He's the only player who who is is uh less than uh even odds. You know, he's at minus 250 or so, 255 um before this show when I last checked. So John. yeah.
0: All your bets that you talked about making, you know, we uh,
1: third quarter who wins a series.
0: Yeah. Uh, if Wiggins wins the MVP based off the the spread you gave us or whatever the term is used, yeah, uh, yeah the odds, yeah. Will you still earn more with that
1: one pick than you will with all you've done uh, previously? It, in the it'll it'll be close, but it but it'll be a lot because um, for these types of bets you don't put crazy amounts down right because they're they're so fickle it's it's you know like when you bet a score you know what the score is after the game you know who won the game right if you bet a right. spread you know what the spread was because the game it mvp is, is one of those things that you got to look at performance you got to project performance but you also got to say like do the writers like this guy enough to give him an mvp do they have a beef with the guy you know um You know, so there's there's a lot of that going in there. Like, um, I like the Wiggins because if the Celtics deserve to win a game, it should they should have won game five. If anyone on this planet told you, hey, we're holding step to less than uh, what was it, 20. uh, (laughs) And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, he's going to have the worst game. It'll be the first time in 233 games, he's not going to hit a three. Yeah, I I like if someone told you that before the game, would you have thought that the final score would be Warriors by 10? No, no. you would have said Boston is heading home to clinch the series in six. Right. So I think the Celtics are probably demoralized at this point, probably big time. And that is due largely largely to Wiggins, because I think while Curry did an average job, he wasn't Superman in game five. Wiggins, even though his output is less than Curry's, like say, in terms of scoring, he was Superman for them in that one. Right. Like right, it wasn't right. just the scoring; it was like the way he scored. He was strong to the hoops on. He just went. He drove with authority. He clamped down on Tatum. He was pulling down the boards. Um, I don't know, Dennis. Man, he could have been wearing cape in Game Five.
2: Yeah. Right. Well, it, it, it's like I said before when Wiggins said, "I'm rebounding." That just made a big difference. Absolutely. You know? Yep. Right. Um, and if if um, the Warriors win in six, I don't think it's going to be enough for Wiggins. Like, he's not going to have you know, enough time to sort of you know, prove that he he needs to be the MVP. It'll be close. But Dennis, I think, Dennis, what if Curry gets... Because kicks- you, you mentioned the story, right, with the Riders, And you're right. right. You know, sometimes that's what it is. For Wiggins, it's sort of like the redemption, right? Number one pick. Everyone yeah. said, oh, no, he, he's not that good. It's a know, great whatever. story, man. It's yeah. a great
1: story to yeah. write.
0: Yeah.
2: I've been the waiting other story be... is
1: Steph Curry
2: has never won the finals MVP. So, you know, right now there's more of the sentiment for Curry than there is in Wiggins. But Wiggins is climbing up there.
1: Okay, no, we got to let William talk. It looks like he's about no, no, to. No, know. I just he's it's close. just
0: everything you said I agree with it, but it, see, I believe uh uh I, my take is on Johns. It's like this Wiggins has done everything whereas uh, St- uh, Curry has been kind of not hit and miss, but you know, he had a huge game 4, uh this I don't want to say disappeared, but got shut down a bit in game 5. Uh where Wiggins has been pretty steady, but I look at the redemption aspect. Writers love a redemption. And they can relate to the redemption story more than they can relate to the superstar. That said, I think they'll side with the superstar who's never won it. But I think Wiggins makes the better story, the overall number one pick, going, dealing with losing teams, bad coaches, uh, uh, underperforming base or not, not living up to expectations better way to say it. And here he comes. I mean, this is better than the fish that saved Pittsburgh in my eyes in terms of the movie format, you know, and, and, and I'm rooting for Wiggins. I want, if this, if, if go to state wins it, I want Wiggins. Again, I said this, I want to say last podcast <clears throat> we were in as an underdog in life. I look at Wiggins and I can relate to that, you know, uh, being that underdog. So I'm just hoping uh, uh, John is right. But, but I think the sports writers just, they just—they desperately want to give it to Curry. It reminds me of—I uh, can't remember what year, but John, you probably remember for sure when uh, the 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 coaches poll the the writers gave the national championship to Tom Osborne because he never won one when both he and Penn State had an undefeated season right. and Penn State had the harder schedule, you know. Uh, so 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 that's you know. And trust me, I don't know about either one of you two, but I have worked. With a lot of writers or reporters who do have these votes, I mean they get those votes. And I and I was and I said it publicly. Most of them are dirt bags. They're not good people. They take sides based off bias. They don't like a player. Uh, that player could save their kid in a fire. You know, crawling yeah. five miles under the smoke yeah. to get to the kid, come back, and they're still going to write a hit piece about him. So, yeah. so these awards uh, I think John I don't know if, if you said it, but that's part of the equation too with oh, in uh, on MVP and those type of awards, especially football now where the fans get involved. It's a popularity yeah. contest. I, I think and, uh, and
1: Dennis told his story about working with some of these NBA writers. it's um, I don't think the public at large appreciates that aspect of it that hey man if a, if a player doesn't give you access uh, doesn't give you good quotes, is generally a, a sour puss when you interview him. You'll find every reason imaginable not to vote for him for MVP. Um, it's just human nature. If a person's a you know if he's a hard ass, you're not going to vote for him, Dennis. And um, I think Wiggins. I like the redemption story. Being the former number one who was given up on, basically called a bust. He gets he goes from that to potential. Uh, series MVP, man, that's a great story, especially if especially if, let's say it goes six or seven. Let's say Steph doesn't hit 30 points like he does his usual. Let's say he does 25, 26 a game the rest of the way. Wiggins, double, Wiggins double doubles the rest of the way, like solid double doubles, like 18s and 10s. It has to be. I don't know, it man. Has go,
2: it has to go again seven games. Seven games, right? For seven games. I think Wiggins has a really good shot if it only goes 6 Kerry's still he's going to win it you yeah, know he's going to Well win I still it. like well, hold Wiggins on, Hold
0: on guys a question yeah. if it goes 7 games that means the Celtics win game 6 and and right now looking at it logically if they win game 6 we're assuming Tatum uh is going to be able to get out of the funk he's in and that kind of hurts Wiggins so I don't understand the No the, the, no, the no no seven. no, uh, no like I'm saying like 7 games
2: well, Tatum has been inconsistent, and when he's been inconsistent and in the Celtics win is because Jalen Brown has been, you know, on point. So the Celtics can win, you know, with Tatum having a bad game because they have won games where he shot, like, four for 17. You know what I mean? So in this series?
0: You, has it happened this series? I don't know. I, I'm
2: just talking in general, and it's been like that, like, this postseason for sure. Um but it's just, that's just the way it is. Cause the Celtics, they have, they're more than just Tatum. You know what I mean? Just like the Warriors are more than just Curry. You know, so you know, you still have Marcus Smart who can score 20 plus at any point. Jalen Brown, same thing. Al Horford, you saw him take over one game and was the main reason why they won. You know what I mean? So they can win without Jason Tatum having a great game.
1: Hey, man, and listen, Tatum cost me money in game five because I had him over 27 and a half. And he ended up. Oh. 20, and he ended up with 27. I was texting Dennis. This guy better hit yeah. his free throws. And then he missed his last free throws. Right? He missed. He, didn't he tank both of them, Dennis? I think. Yeah. Well, uh, the and, main
2: thing was he airballed the three.
1: Oh, that. Uh, dude, that was, was gotta be the most embarrassing
0: thing for a professional NBA player on the television. Hoop. The air shooting, ball. it goes right under. Because we painful. all feel big. Yeah, oh. yeah I could have done oh. that. <laughs> that was painful. That was painful to watch. Yeah. So, guys, there is great news. Uh, the NBA has been hard hit with viewers over the last five, 10 years, and they've had their little peaks and valleys, but the numbers have not have either plateaued or slowly been like that. They're on an uptick here. 13.1 million viewers uh, for last night's game. They're averaging uh, 13 million viewers for last night's game. They're averaging 12.1 million uh, a game this series. Uh, they're up 26%. So multiple choice. Why is this series up and why is basketball up? in the finals so much? Is it because of less politics in the game? People have checked out of the politics and why they enjoy basketball. It's a great series. Or is it that just there are more white people watching it because they think they're watching the old Boston team from the 80s? Which one is it, Dennis?
2: Well, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> just like how we all had COVID fatigue you know, nowadays, we all had LeBron fatigue. LeBron was in the NBA finals how many years in a row? You know what I mean? It's just like... Uh, again, but now obviously LeBron's not in it. I mean, you know, they didn't even make the playoffs, really. So <laughs> you, you don't have LeBron in it, and you have Steph Curry coming back. You know, Steph Curry, everyone loves Steph Curry, um, so they're watching because of him, but they're also watching because, oh, Dan, we got a young Celtics team that almost came out of nowhere. They're playing in the finals. Let me watch this. You know what I mean? So I think that's what it is. It's sort of like uh, yes, the Warriors have been there before, but there's you know, we talked about a redemption story. Now here's like a whole redemption story with a team because the Warriors stunk because you know Steph Curry was hurt, Clay Thompson was hurt, Draymond Green was hurt, you know, they were so bad they had a high draft pick, and that's how they were able to get Jonathan Kaminga. Um, you know, and then you have a young upstart Boston Celtics team. And you know, let's remember it, it's Boston and San Francisco high media markets. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that plays into it as well. Uh, I think it's just awesome because it's been an exciting series, you know? So, you know, yeah, especially my Celtics, team. they've been going to game seven, you know, in the two rounds before this one. So it's like, Oh yeah, this is a fun team to watch.
1: I agree with you. I think also to, I agree with everything you said. Uh, people forget San Francisco and Boston being media markets. But I also think that the Celtics are one of those teams that, especially in urban areas, um, if they're everybody's second favorite team, like even in New York, right? If you're not a Knicks fan or a Nets fan, your second favorite team probably, probably is the Celtics going back to the Larry Bird days even, right? So I think for a lot of urban areas, you have that dynamic with Boston. It's kind of weird. Like, okay, if, if I'm not rooting for my home team, Then number two on the list might be the Celtics for a lot of, a lot of the geographic nation, wouldn't you say? So I think, I think that plays into it, but then also for every other factor you guys mentioned, it's been an exciting series. Um, it, it, there is that old versus young is it the changing of the guard um it's two different styles of basketball on the surface one is more hard-nosed the other one is not showtime but it's more movement it's it's more you know more uh, the battle of the three-point so i think that plays into it as well but i do think it has a lot to do with boston being in it i think you know, boston just as a, as a team as a franchise yeah. one
0: point though dennis uh and you brought it up uh, uh there's no LeBron. LeBron's also a highly polarized political figure now. He's as hated as he is loved by basketball people. I don't think he would have drawn in the people uh, that the Celtics are drawing in now. What I'm saying is taking LeBron out of the equation takes the reason for people not to watch it. Uh, and they go, oh, I'm going to watch it this time. It's the Celtics also. The Celtics have that tradition. Uh, i got a quick story here because it's anecdotal, but it's something a lot of us who are love sports notice. So, for example, if I, I, I've gone to easily 20 some odd countries in the military. Uh, I've met thousands of people, uh, worked with hundreds. And for football, for example, the Packers and the Browns had the greatest amount of fans period, which was shocking because at the time, uh, the, the the Packers really were still, they had just gotten far, they were that era, you know, uh, uh, and in basketball, it was always the Lakers and the Celtics, you know, those were the two dynasties there that were that, that even the nonchalant, so I think uh, uh, no Lakers this go round. But with Celtics, it brings back the memories of that dynasty. And and that dynasty, if you think about it, hits all age groups, meaning uh, uh, our grandparents with the older Celtics, the people our age with the bird Celtics. And now they may be generating a new cycle of of fans all over the country with this series. But I find that funny for football because the Packers and uh, Browns are just not Packers anymore, but the Browns. perennial losers, but Lakers and Celtics, it was something, and we would talk about that, we're like, damn, yeah, it, that, and that's why most people always feel sports draws people together from various diverse backgrounds, and, and obviously that that's changed a bit though, but yeah, it's great news for the series, a uh, 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 quick Prop question, uh, two of them for you, John, real quick. Uh, 16 uh, uh, turnovers, uh, I guess, I don't know what the term is, over or under for it. What are you going to tell people to pick? Uh, they're going to uh, surpass 16 turnovers in Celtics will tomorrow or, or in
1: game six, or will they get, stay under? Well, I haven't done the, honestly, I haven't done the analysis on it. My gut feeling, this is just the feeling, is they're going to hit, they're going to go over 16 turnovers. What about you, Senor Velasco? Uh, I
0: would I would say, yeah, they're going to go over that as well. Gotcha. And the MVP,
1: your gut, who wins it, uh, Big John? More likely than not, it'll be Steph Curry. Um, but um, I'm holding out hope that Wiggins comes through. And Senor Velasco, I would take you would agree with that?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. If it's uh, in six games that the Dubs win, definitely Curry. If the dubs win in seven games, I think Wiggins might take it.
0: You know, that's the type of answer I give. I always like to give what I expect, but here's your uh asterisk. Uh, but you know we also sound like politicians when we answer like that. <laughs> now, that you don't want me
2: in the office, I'm too dumb.
0: Oh, yeah, so I might be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> i will refrain from uh so you're a democrat (laughs) i'm independent i'm kidding i'm kidding Uh, john any final comments or words of wisdom yeah don't eat the yellow snow (laughs) there you go there you go everyone you have been listening to points on the board don't forget to visit sportsgrumlings.com. we've got a whole slew of podcasts We've got big question, the Big Questions with Big John. He's just now released his interview with a Playboy model. Still looking as beautiful as ever, but she's more than just a model. Quite yep. a life story she talks about with John. Dennis, our resident uh, analyst here, is always giving us good qu- uh, questions. Dennis, what's your website that they can hit up? Hit up Hartman in Hollywood because that's active right now. There you go. Dennis is a good guy, people. Hit him up. He does, He knows a lot. One of the unheralded analysts in this game. And Dennis and John, it was a great to have you guys on once again. And we will talk soon. Good night, everybody.